how to be justified before God who knows everything about you. So this message, ladies and gentlemen, is for everybody, every person living in the world. This message applies to you no matter what. So everyone in the world, you need to know that there is a God. You may say, well, I'm an atheist. Uh, I don't believe in God. Well, that's not an excuse because one day you're still going to stand before the same God that I will stand before also. So whether you acknowledge that there's a God or not, doesn't matter. You're still going to stand before God one day. In the book of Romans, it says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold or suppress the truth in right unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse." Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. So, heavy-duty scripture there, written by uh, the Jewish apostle Paul, talking about faith, from faith to faith, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. So this walk with God, ladies and gentlemen, it is a walk of faith. That's how we live. We live by faith. This scripture also talks about the wrath of God being upon people, ladies and gentlemen, who are living in unrighteousness, ungodliness, hardly spoken about in this modern day. What happens, people suppress the truth in their own unrighteousness or their own ungodly uh, behavior. That's exactly what they are doing. You know, sometimes people think that because they're atheists, they're not accountable uh, to God. You know, uh, the Pope uh, lets people think that the atheists are okay. They're going to get into heaven. Uh, you remember the time, uh, there was a time he was visiting some uh, children and it said, while meeting kids and responding to their questions, a boy went to him in tears, telling the Pope the story of his recently deceased father and asking whether or not he is now in heaven. The boy made sure to inform the Pope that his father, though wanting his children to be baptized, was himself an atheist. So this is the answer that the Pope gave that young man. He said, God is the heart of a father. Your father was a good man. He's in heaven with him. Be sure. God is a father's heart. And would God ever abandon a non-believing father who baptizes his children? God was certainly proud of your father because it is easier to be a believer and have your children baptized than to be a non-believer and have your children baptized. Pray for your father. Talk to your father. That is the answer. The Pope says that's the answer. I'm here to tell you today, ladies and gentlemen, that is not 
the end. So listen to what he told that young man. He says, God was proud of his father. Now his father was an atheist, but God is not proud of people who turn their back on Almighty God. Absolutely not. So obviously his father was not a believer. Now the father wanted the children baptized. Keep in mind, uh, we're talking uh, infant baptism. From what I can gather, this young man was a Catholic. And so he's, he goes on to tell this young man, pray for your father. Well, you can't. It's too late. Once you die, that's it. It's appointed unto men once to die after this to judgment. So the father either went to heaven or to hell. He says, pray for your father. He says, talk to your father. You can't talk to your father. That's necromancy, folks. That's communicating with the dead. So we see the answer of the Pope. That's typical Roman Catholicism, folks. They uh, have their man-made traditions. They say what they want, but it is not according to the scriptures. John 3.36 tells us, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Mark 16, 15 and 16, And he said unto them, this is Jesus speaking, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. So, you know, Jesus, uh, this is what he spoke after he rose from the dead, by the way. So the believer will be saved, but the Lord made it clear that the unbeliever shall be damned. Now, folks, how often do you hear scriptures like this in your church? We're talking salvation and damnation. No mention of a purgatory, by the way. That's the way Jesus spoke. He spoke the truth. Salvation or damnation. I'll never forget that. So, uh, as we read the uh, scripture before, uh, it spoke about for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, you see? So creation itself, ladies and gentlemen, throws out a testimony that God is real, that there is a God. You know, I remember as an unsaved man, you know, I was riding in a car with somebody and it was uh, near sunset, but it was one of those sunsets where uh, the sun was huge at the lower part of the sky. I mean, this big, gigantic, round, orange ball in the sky. And what a beautiful day, uh, night it was too. And I remember saying to them, how could you not believe in God? Look at that. That is unbelievable. So even though I wasn't saved, it's a testimony to the scriptures that that creation itself throws out a witness that there is a God. I told somebody else once, I saw some flowers, and I said, look at those flowers, the beauty, and you see the design within the flower. I said, how can you say there's no God? Look, that's God. Even then, I wasn't saved, folks. So what I'm trying to tell you is that creation itself, the beauty, you look at the mountains, you look at the, the seas, you look at the oceans. I mean, over and over, we know that this creation had a creator, you see? Don't ever forget that so now that we got that out of the way Romans 5 1 says therefore being justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ now we're talking about 
being justified, folks. So remember the title, you know, talking about how we can be justified uh, before a God that knows everything about us, which he does, okay? He knows everything about you. There's nothing you do that he's not aware of. So it tells us here that being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So right from the get-go, folks, I want to make this point here. No matter who you are in this world, male, female, old, young, rich, poor, doesn't matter. Right now, as you are listening to this uh, teaching, you're either justified in the sight of God or you are not. Now, if you are, that means you're ready to meet the Lord. That means you will be with the Lord forever. You're going to heaven. But if you're not, that means you're still dead in your sins. You've never been made right with God. So that's the crux of what I'll be talking about here today. I want, in fact, I want to let you know how to get right with God. And I promise you I will do that in this message. That's why it's uh, very important. And I want you to know that the scriptures are so clear that this is how a person is justified that is by faith. Okay? Don't, don't forget that, folks. So, you know, people in a modern day, including the popes, they like to talk about people of faith. But you've got to keep in mind, folks, in the sight of God, there's only one true people of faith. And those people are those who are at peace with him. How? Through Jesus Christ. You see, it's the object of your faith. People say, oh, they got a lot of faith. But we're at faith in what? Faith in who? You see? The man in the moon? <laughs> Folks, that's what I'm getting at here today. So you could be a person of faith, but if your faith is not in Jesus Christ, it doesn't mean anything in the sight of a holy and righteous God. So uh, don't buy into that, folks. I've, you know, sometimes you'll hear the Pope talk about the three great monotheistic religions, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Listen to me, folks. There's one way, and it's through Jesus Christ. John 14 and 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's right from the mouth of Jesus himself. No other way except through Christ. Let's look at Acts chapter 4, verses 10 to 12. Peter speaking, Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So, listen to me now, folks. Um, this is the belief of a Christian. If you don't believe this, you are not a Christian. If you don't believe that Jesus is the only way, you are not a Christian. Hear me now. Don't forget that. He said he's the only way, and he's the only way. I want you to see that. Keep in mind, I'm letting you know how you can be justified before God, okay? So that's what we're getting at here, folks. So there's one way I made that uh, perfectly clear. Now, the Jewish people, for the most part, the people of Judaism, they do not believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They'll laugh at you, a lot of people. They don't believe he's the Son of God. 
I've had many conversations with Jewish people over the years since I've been born again, folks. And uh, some of them stick out in my mind. Uh, you know, I went to hand a tract on the Passover to this very tall, I think he was a rabbi, huge man. And he looked at it, he said, what's this? What's this? He said, it's a tract. I said, it connects the Passover with Jesus and so on and so forth. He looks at it, turns it over and slams it back in my hand that he says, you don't sacrifice human beings. And he walked away. I didn't have any hatred toward the man. Not at all. Another time a man, we were ministering to him, he just said, Jesus is not the Messiah. And he turned around and he walked away. Well, that's, that's typical, okay? I don't hate them. The Muslims, they don't believe that God even has a son. So do you see where I'm getting at here, folks? If Jesus said he's the only way, when you talk about people of faith, these people, the Jewish people, the Muslims, they don't believe what I'm saying here today. So, so in other words, are they going to be justified before a holy God? Absolutely not. Not according to the scriptures. Now, the apostle Paul, he was Jewish. He was a persecutor of Christians, killed Christians, consented unto the death of those Christians. Uh, and he was dead set against, uh, obviously, Christianity. Until one day, a light brighter than the midday sun appeared in the sky and Jesus Christ spoke to him. And that was the beginning of uh, a change in that man's life. He got saved. And what did he do after he got saved? He preached Jesus. That's what he did. He preached Jesus as the Christ. He preached Jesus as the Messiah. Jesus as the Son of God. And what a preacher he was. Oh my, oh my. So uh, Paul found out the truth, which is what I'm bringing forth to you today. Now, something you need to understand also when we talk about this, uh, this gospel and being justified, ladies and gentlemen, it's so important to know about the deity or the divinity of Jesus Christ, meaning Jesus Christ is God. We know he's the son of God, but he's equal to God the Father. Oh, yes. Now, I'm going to prove that to you. I like to do this because a lot of times when you give references, people don't look them up. So I'm going to give you the, the word here. I want, to, I want to anchor this in your spirit, folks, so that you know where I'm coming from. Remember, I'm pointing this out for a reason to show you this is the only way to be justified before God, folks. You missed this, you're going to miss it all, folks. John 1, verses 1 to 3, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Now, that's speaking of Christ. Okay, so clearly here, it proves that Jesus Christ is God. Philippians chapter 2, I'm going to look at verses 5 through 11. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him this form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, 
God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So another incredible passage, folks. It talks about Christ uh, making himself of no reputation. You have to understand he came down from heaven. So he became a servant in the likeness of men. He humbled himself. And he went to the cross, ladies and gentlemen. He did that for you. And now he's been given a name above every name, folks. Don't never forget that. And one day, every knee is going to bow, things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth. And one day, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. Let's go to Revelation 1, 17 and 18. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And at the keys of hell and of death. Wow. Now, this is John, the Apostle John, folks. He has this awesome, incredible vision of the Lord. And so much so, he fell at the feet of the Lord as dead. And the Lord laid his right hand upon him. He says, fear not. I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth, listen, and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen, and of the keys of hell and of death. Now, folks, we, we see here that the first and the last is letting him know that he was dead at one point in time. Heavy-duty stuff. Who do you think this is talking about? Obviously, it's talking about Jesus Christ. Okay? I want to show you also, folks, that this Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. Revelation 21 and 6, And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. Revelation 22, verse 13. Don't miss this. I am Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end. The first and the Last. Good way to study the word. I study it, folks. So, so what you do here, you see that the Alpha and Omega is also the first and the last. One person speaking about Christ. Now, Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Now you see the connection. We've already connected the Alpha and Omega with the first and the last. And now we see that the Alpha and the Omega is calling himself the Almighty. Don't miss that. So folks, the first and the last is Christ. He was dead at one point in time. And it lets us know here that he's the Almighty. Glory to God. Hope you see this, folks. Isaiah chapter 44, verse 6. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, 
the Lord of hosts. I am the first and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. Wow. Don't miss that. Here we have the Old Testament. Thus saith the Lord. This is Yahweh, Jehovah, the King of Israel. That's Christ, the Redeemer. He says, I am the first and I am the last. We know that's Christ already. Now listen. And beside me there is no God. Now, question. Do you believe Jesus Christ is God? I just gave you the proof right from the scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament, connected folks, deity, 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 glory to God. It's important that you understand this, folks, because the gospel of Jesus Christ, listen, without the deity of Christ is meaningless. There is no gospel. I'll say it again. Without the deity of Christ, meaning Jesus Christ is God, the gospel becomes meaningless. It's important that you know that he came down from above. The sinless son of God took on our humanity and went to the cross for you and for me. He was sinless. Oh, yes. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. It wasn't Michael the Archangel. <laughs> Oh, no. So this is important, folks. So he did this for you, folks. It's, it's important that you understand that. Let me give you a quote from a book here that I looked at. In fact, I bought this book, gee, as a new Christian many, many years ago. It's called The Covenants by Kevin Connor and Ken Malman. This is a little a quote from that book. I, I like this. It says, On the cross, it was the divine nature offering the sinless nature to God. It was deity presenting sinless humanity to God as a perfect sacrifice for sin. It was God atoning to God. It was sinless man atoning for sinful man. Only the miracle of the incarnation and the union of the two natures in the one person could make this possible. Therefore, Jesus is both the new covenant sacrifice, meaning his human nature, his body and blood, and the new covenant priest, his divine nature. Okay, isn't that uh, a great quote? So that's from the covenants, Kevin Connor, Ken Malman. Uh, that, that explains it very well. Uh, that's why I like it, folks. So you, you need to understand the importance of the deity of Jesus Christ, folks. And may you rejoice in your heart to realize uh, what he has done for you, what he's done for me. So, you know, you know, I grew up, and I've said this many times, as a Roman Catholic, but I didn't know about the deity of Jesus Christ. I wasn't taught these things, folks. You know, you go through the, the same old rigmarole, you go to, to Mass, and you go through these things, and, and so on and so forth, and, you know, basically, salvation was through the Church, meaning the Roman Catholic Church. It's through your good works, and, and they teach that there's no salvation without the Roman Catholic Church. Not only that, you need the Pope's interpretation. They put their man-made tradition on an equal level to the scriptures. They teach about a place called purgatory. Not only that, they have over 100 anathemas or curses 
from the Council of Trent upheld by Vatican II, that council, and so on and so forth. Not to mention the sacrifice of the Mass that they believe satisfies the divine justice of Almighty God. Not true. So these are man-made traditions. It is a different gospel. It is a counterfeit gospel. In fact, uh, for many years, many centuries, the Bible was on the list of forbidden books. And I can tell you why, folks. What happens when you read the Bible, when you read the scriptures for yourself, like I did, you come to the realization that the gospel they preach is not the gospel that's found in the Word of God. It is a counterfeit gospel. It is a man-made gospel. When I came to know the Lord, when I was born again of the Spirit, when I was saved, all of that stuff went out the window. Oh, yes. I've spoken in the past, you know, I was into that uh, Medjugorje apparition stuff, and uh, this apparition of Mary, you know, if you're not aware of apparitions, there are uh, these appearances of what they believe is Mother Mary. You got Fatima, you got uh, Lady of Lords, you got uh, Guadalupe, and so on and so forth. So this was one of those, which is still going on, by the way. These began all the way back in um, 1981. And over and over you'll find this apparition of Mary, uh, it's a demon power by the way, it's not Mary, encouraging the people to pray the rosary and how the rosary will protect you from the devil and so on and so forth. So, you know, we were into this stuff. We were lost souls at that point in time. We're on our way to hell. We didn't know the Lord. We weren't saved. We weren't born again. You know, we used to show videos in our home to other people encouraging them. Say, look at this, man. This is Mary. Look at this. Wow, you know. And people come over and watching these things. So, uh, you know, what happened, uh, my wife Kathy, she started really digging into the Word of God. And, you know, the more she read, she, what she started doing, she started comparing the messages of Medjugorje with the Word of God. And she, she, she had a word processor. That's what they were called at that time. It's like a fast uh, typewriter. And she started typing out pages and starting, started looking at the uh, messages from Medjugorje and now comparing it to the Bible. That is the right thing to do, by the way. And the more she read, you know, she came up with like four pages of scripture and she came to the conclusion that this thing that's going on with Medjugorje can't be real. And she tried to tell me, but I wasn't having it. And, you know, she said, this can't be real. And she was showing me, look, this is this, this, look what this says. And this is what the Bible says. Smart thing to do. I still wasn't having it. So I went on for several weeks, and then one time she came to me in tears, and she said, listen to me, and something in my heart just said, you know, okay, I'll listen. And, you know, she showed me the scriptures, and I knew I had a choice to make, folks. I knew I had a choice. It was either the Word of God or these messages. I knew one thing. They both can't be true because they were contradicting each other. So I said, I'll pray about it. So, you know, the more I thought about it and I looked at those scriptures and I looked at what was being said and I had to agree with her. I said, you know something, that's right. And um, long story short, it wasn't uh, too far after that. I remember I was reading the Gospel of John and, and the, the Word of God just came alive to me, ladies and gentlemen. And, and I knew that Jesus Christ came down from above. So it is the deity of Christ. I knew that he was persecuted. I knew that he was killed. I knew that he died for me. And it was the love of God that stopped me dead in my tracks, folks. And, and this is something, this is a work of the Holy Spirit. 
You see, this is a work of the Holy Spirit. I knew the gospel was true. And, and, and needless to say, we knew that this stuff that we were into was not real. It was fake. So, so you know, what a time this was, folks. You got to realize I'm telling a lot of people, oh, this is this. And it got to the point, I, I told the people, I said, listen to me. Whatever I told you about Mary, forget about it. It's all about Jesus. You see, that's the work of the Holy Ghost, folks. The Holy Spirit will testify of me. That's what Jesus said. He, the Holy Spirit will testify of me. And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does. So when you see these things, these Marian apparitions and all this other stuff, pointing you to Mary, you know, she would say things, I'm, uh, you belong to me. Right then and there, you can see that these are demon spirits, folks. And this is going on for so long, it's not even funny. As I said, since 1981. So, you know, Kathy was in a, uh, a prayer group, a charismatic prayer group at... Uh, a Catholic church, you know, which I eventually started going to also. And, and we were actually in two different uh, Catholic charismatic uh, prayer groups. And um, eventually, when this happened, we left. We, you know, we realized, hey, we can't, we, that's it. Uh, us in Roman Catholicism, that, that was stopped right then and there. Uh, Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. You cannot continue. In a place, ladies and gentlemen, that preaches a counterfeit gospel. You can't do it if you have the Spirit of God within you. You see? In fact, Kathy was about to become a Eucharistic minister. She, she trained for that, and she was literally about to be installed. That's the term that they used, where you're officially installed as a Eucharistic minister. And the, I believe it was at night, she was supposed to be installed, and she got sick, and she couldn't go. And, and shortly thereafter, we left the Catholic Church. That was the mercy of God. If you don't know what a Eucharistic minister is, you carry around that Eucharistic host, which they believe is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. So, so my wife would have been walking around with this little brass thing holding these little hosts. In other words, she's carrying Jesus in a pocket or in a purse. And now you can go to like a nursing home and, and, and give communion to people who might be there or in a hospital or whatever. And thank God, this is the mercy of God. Thank God that did not happen. So uh, I tell you, folks, it's, it's a great thing to know the Lord. It is a great thing to know the Lord. Let's get back to being justified before God. Romans 3, 19 and 20 it says, now we know that what things soever the law saith, they saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Glory to God. I used to write Bible tracts. One of my tracts that I wrote was popular, was... Uh, in God's courtroom. And um, what I did, I used the law of God, the Ten Commandments, to show people everybody we're all a bunch of sinners. So that's just what the law does. It says it stops every mouth. And listen to this. It says, and all the world may become guilty before God. So no, ma no matter who you are in the world, no matter where you live, could be uh, England, could be Ireland, could be the old USA, South America, Brazil, Russia, Ukraine, doesn't matter. Wherever you are, hear me, you're guilty before God. So you got a problem. You got a big problem. 
The question is, how can you be justified before God if you're guilty? If, if the whole world is guilty before God, how on earth, how is it possible to be justified in his sight? Keep in mind, remember the story of the woman at the well? You can read that in John chapter 4. And uh, we find out as you read that story that Jesus knew everything about that woman. He knew that she was married five times before and that she was living with a man who was not her husband. And uh, she said to him, I perceive you're a prophet. <laughs> he was more than a prophet. So, so the point I make, folks, is God knows everything about you, knows everything about me. You can get it over on people. You can fake people out. You, you can cheat here, you can cheat there, and think you're getting away with it. And you probably are in this world if you're slick. But God knows about it, folks. Hear me now. Oh, boy, does he know about it. He's a merciful God. You know, you know when, you, when you get the realization, folks, you know, when I got saved, it's like, whoa, this is the mercy of God. This is nothing but the mercy of God that God waited for me. And he saw all of this stuff, folks. That's the mercy of Almighty God. What you're hearing today, folks, the fact that I'm preaching this to you, it's the mercy of God. I'm nothing. But, but the fact that you're hearing the gospel, and if you're not saved, you've never been born again of the Spirit, this is mercy reaching out to you with the truth. That's exactly what is happening. Romans 3, 23 and 24 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So continue. Whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. So folks, you've already learned here today that you're guilty in the sight of God. And now I'm telling you the good news, folks. We're talking about what Christ did for us upon the cross. It says he became a propitiation. That word, by the way, in the Greek, hilasterion, okay? Hilasterion. It means mercy seat. Isn't that awesome? Mercy seat. Christ was an expiatory victim. He was an atoning victim for you and for me. He came down from heaven, folks to die for you. Now, if you know the Old Testament, the mercy seat used to cover the Ark of the Covenant, which inside uh, that uh, Ark of the Covenant was the Ten Commandments. It was the manna, the rod that budded. But the mercy seat, solid gold lid on that uh, Ark of the Covenant, solid gold, that's where they would put the blood of the animal sacrifices, folks. So that was a type, that was a shadow of the perfect atonement, the perfect mercy seat, which is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That's where your mercy is, folks. 
Maybe, let me give you a little illustration. You have a Bible. Let's say this Bible, it, it represents Jesus. So he's, uh, he's, he's, that's the Bible. I'm saying this is, this is him. Now, you see that bookmark there? Watch this. I'm going to put that bookmark inside the Bible. I'm going to close it now, folks. So the, the bookmark represents you and me when we put faith in the Lord. The Bible's representing Christ himself. You are sealed inside Christ by faith. Hallelujah. That's what he did for you, folks. That's the mercy of God. You have no righteousness outside of Christ. Do you know that you need the righteousness of Christ to get into heaven? Nothing less will suffice. Not a drop less than the righteousness of Christ will suffice on Judgment Day. Hope you know that. So, folks, this is what Christ did for us through faith in him. It was the love of God, the love of Almighty God toward us. He sent his son to die for us so that we might be redeemed, folks. You don't have to go to hell when you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Titus 3, 5 to 7, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Hallelujah. You see that, folks? Not by, not, not by anything you did. It's according to his mercy, the washing of regeneration. It's the Holy Ghost. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Nobody's in heaven bragging how they got there, folks. I did this, I did that. Oh, no. When you realize uh, who you are without Christ, you'll be grateful for who you are in Christ. Don't ever forget that. In and of yourself, folks, you're nothing but a wretch. I'm a wretch. That's right. You're nothing but an ungodly wretch. That's, that's a tough pill for a lot of people to swallow. But in the sight of a holy God, that's what you are. This is why we needed a Savior, folks. John 3, verses 6 to 8. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must... Be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth or wishes, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Hear me now. If you've never been born again, you're not a Christian. I'll say it again. If you've never been born again this way, you're not a Christian. You're not saved. Oh, no. This is something that's going to happen, folks, when you put your faith in the Lord. You'll be born again of the Spirit, you see? That's what happened to me when all of a sudden the Scriptures laid up to me. Oh my, you, you understand things that you never saw before. You realize this thing is real. Oh, yes. This thing is real. In fact, when you're born again, folks, you're going to realize uh, when you talk about spiritual warfare, you know, that's when I realize, oh my, there's a devil that hates my guts. And, folks, he works 24-7. He never stops. Oh, yes. He hates what I'm doing right here, preaching his message. This is a battle, folks. I'm telling you. So you, you must be born again. When you're born again of the Spirit, 
It's the Holy Ghost that's going to open your eyes to this whole other dimension that I never even knew existed. You hear that, folks? So, so you can go to church week after week after week after week and never be born again. That's why I, 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 you hear me talk about this frequently. You must be born again. He didn't say maybe, could be, should be. He said must be. You must be born again. Right from the mouth of Jesus Christ himself. Romans 5, verses 6 to 10. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die yet. Peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Hallelujah. Now, we see here, folks, we learn that Christ died for the ungodly. That's me. That's you. Okay. He commended his love toward us. While we were yet sinners, that's me, that's you. But listen, we're talking about how to be justified before a God that knows everything about you. It says here, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. You want to be justified before God, folks? This is the only way. It's his blood. That's why people sing, we call them the blood songs. If you're in a church, they let go of those blood songs, folks. Uh, I'd leave that church. Sing. It's good to sing about the blood. The blood, the blood, nothing but the blood, folks. Much more than being now justified by his blood. That cross, folks, was an awesome thing. The cross of Christ, the greatest event in the world, put together with the resurrection, when Christ got back up again. They worked together, folks. He died in our place, but the grave could not hold him because he's God. He's divine. He's sinless, folks. So he offered up himself. Sinless man for sinful man. You get that? And this is the awesomeness of what Christ has done, that you can be reconciled back to God Oh, yes, and be right with God, folks. You know, some people call it the death of death. That's the death. Christ abolished death for you and for me. That's exactly right. Galatians 1, 3, and 4. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. So, I'm reading a commentary uh, uh, on Galatians by Martin Luther, by the way. What a book that is. In fact, I had it uh, before, and I gave it away to somebody, and I said, oh man, I wish I still had it. I went on eBay and got a copy that looks practically brand new. I couldn't believe it, and I was so thankful, so grateful, and I'm halfway through it again already. And uh, keep in mind, Martin Luther was a former priest, and uh, what a book this is. In fact, on the back cover, 
John Bunyan, he's the one who wrote Pilgrim's Progress. This is what he said about that commentary on Galatians by Luther. He said, I do prefer this book, accepting the whole Bible before all books I have ever seen. Wow. And I assure you, uh, so, so here's this priest, uh, ex-priest, I should say, Martin Luther, and, and he stressed, I remember on this verse here, speaking of Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins. And he stressed over and over that the devil hates that. He does not want you to know that he gave himself for our sins, folks, no matter who you are, no matter what you past, no matter what you've done. You need to know that the Lord Jesus Christ came down from above, went to the cross for your sins, for my sins. Powerful. And yet this basic truth, being justified by faith, is, is something that you need to understand. Uh, this is where revival happens, folks. When you get this teaching down in your spirit, how to be made right with God, being justified by faith. Don't let this truth be hid. Oh, no. Very, very, you know, I heard a preacher say uh, once many years ago, I said, wow, that's interesting. He says, you know, you read the Bible, you'll hear the demons, you know, when the Lord would expose the demons, and uh, they say, I know who you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the Christ. You're the Son of God, you know. He says, you'll never hear a demon address Jesus as the Son of Man. Because Satan does not want you to know that Jesus Christ did this for you as a man. He's the Son of Man. He came and took our sins upon himself. And he did it for you, folks. He did it for me. This is the gospel. This is the beauty of the gospel. Oh, yes. This is the good news that we all need to hear, folks. Let me close it out with this scripture here. 2 Timothy 1, verses 8 to 10. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death, and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Hallelujah. What's it say? Our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death. Don't miss this. Folks, the cross, that's why I stressed the deity before in this message. The cross of Christ, was Christ coming down from above, taking on our humanity. He partook of our humanity. We deserved hell. We deserve. One day you're going to die physically, okay? Because of, of sin, because of our, uh, this body of death is the way uh, Paul uh, addressed it. The body of death. But Christ abolished death, folks. So that if you know the Lord, even though your physical body will die one day, unless we see the coming of the Lord, okay? You're going to die one day. But Christ abolished death. You will go to be with the Lord, folks. You won't suffer that second death 
But those without Christ, those who've never been saved, those who've never been born again of the Spirit, those people who've never passed from death to life will die in their sins. They'll spend eternity in a very real place called hell. So folks, you heard it. Uh, you heard it clear right from the word. You know I always use tons of scripture. Remember the title, How to Be Justified Before God who knows everything about you. So once again, I encourage you, no matter who you are, young, old, man, woman, rich, poor, doesn't matter, you're famous, you're not famous. If you're not justified before God this way, you're not justified at all. Be blessed.